Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. Today, I am joined by best-selling author and leader of the social movement Father and Nation, Craig Wilkinson. During our conversation today, we will examine why gender-based violence happens and how to stop it, what authentic masculinity looks like and how to embrace positive masculinity, whilst also looking at the roles of women and business in helping us all be a little bit happier and safer. Craig says, I'm on a mission to restore and equip men to be mentors, role models and fathers, with the understanding that authentic masculinity will change the world. Craig is the best-selling author of Dad, The Power and Beauty of Authentic Fatherhood, alongside It's a Dad and his latest book, Six Pack. More on that shortly. So Craig, welcome. Thank you, Katie. Great to be with you. Uh, It's good to have you, sir. So my first question, I really want to sort of ask you, what motivated you to start Father a Nation? A couple of things. We were doing a lot of work in communities on uh, enterprise development, which is building businesses. You know, South Africa has a real bad Gini coefficient with a lot of poverty. And uh, in the course of working in communities, we began to realize that uh, probably at least an equally pressing issue uh, as what poverty is, is fatherlessness. You know, we began to see just a huge, huge impact on households, a negative impact on households and communities of, of absent fathers. And uh, my, my personal journey to, I was a single dad for many years and, and raised my two kids who are now, my son Luke is 27, my daughter's 24, but uh, just really became very aware of the importance of fathers and the lack of fathers. South Africa has a, a terrible statistics. You know, we, we're known tragically as the rape capital of the world uh, and our gender-based violence stats are very high, but underlying all of that is the stat that uh, up to 60% of South African kids are being raised without a father. And there's a massive correlation between almost every social ill there is for boys and girls and, and a lack of present and engaged fathers. So it was born out of this real belief that if we can heal men and restore men to be good fathers, mentors, role models, we can absolutely heal society. And so Father Nation was born out of that, to desire just to work with men throughout the the country and beyond to to restore them to be good fathers, mentors, and role models. And I'm curious. I've sort of heard a bit of what you've said before, and and there's a lot around sort of masculinity and and positive and, and negative masculinity. Why, in your mind, has masculinity become a difficult word or concept? That's a huge question, and I mean, you could spend a lot of time talking about that. But there's no doubt masculinity is under fire, and there's no doubt that masculinity has been has become, has a very negative image at the moment. I mean, there was a, there was a survey done recently in, 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 U, in the UK by YouGov where they asked men of various different ages, is masculinity a positive thing or a negative thing? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? And in the age category, 18 to 24-year-old men, uh, 42% said that it was a, a, a negative thing. In fact, more said it was a negative thing than actually said it was a positive thing. 39% said it's a positive thing. Uh, the rest remain neutral. So we've got this growing sense of masculinity is a bad thing. Uh, we've, we've seen the, the, the term and the phrase toxic masculinity. 
uh, in our country, South Africa, we even had a, ha a campaign called the hashtag men are trash. And Katie, I think it's a backlash against misogyny. It's a backlash against men misusing their power and their strengths. And we've seen many high profile men, you know, it started with the Bill Cosby, which blew us all away, you know, who was uh, found to be having been abusing women and uh, misusing. So I think there's, it's, it's a backlash against that. So two things, really negative press about masculinity as a result of uh, the abuse of masculine power. So a lot of boys are growing up thinking that, you know what, to be a man is bad. Men are trash. You know, I'm bad. And the second thing is that a lot of confusion around what it means to be a man. We're living in a society now where there's a lot of talk around the gender fluidity and non-binary and uh, multiple, multiple definitions of what of gender. And so boys are growing up, number one, not feeling as though being a man is a good thing. And number two, not understanding what it means to be a man, because we've had a lot of we've had a lot of false narratives around masculinity. I mean, the average boy growing up, here's what I call the four big lies about masculinity. Uh, sex, power, money, and big boys don't cry. And, that, and that, that's a narrative that the media and Hollywood has, has portrayed for many, many years. I, I think there's a big shift coming now. But, uh, you know, the, the greater the, the sort of sexual prowess you have as a man, that's what, that's what you need to do to be a man. The more power you have, and whether it's physical power, you know, how much you bench press or you've got to be the captain of the rugby or the cricket team, you know, that kind of power. Uh, and money, you need to have money to be a man. And, and by the way, men can't be vulnerable. So there's been lots of uh, wrong narratives and messaging around what it means to be a man. And there's also been a huge amount of negativity around the actual aspect of masculinity. And I, I, I come from the standpoint that men and women are, are equal, but stunningly different. And that masculinity, as with femininity, is a beautiful, powerful, wonderful, amazing gift to humanity. And we need to, to, to live it and embrace it. And you cannot heal masculine abuse by beating men over the head with a stick and calling them toxic. The only way to really heal masculine abuse and, and whatever toxic elements there are of the misuse of masculinity is to is to grow, promote, embrace, validate positive, healthy, good masculinity. Because the more you do that, the more toxic masculinity would fall by the wayside. A good man won't tolerate toxic masculinity. A good man would never tolerate abuse of any kind. And so the more we create and grow and validate good men, the more the negative aspects of how the abuse of power can be used begin to fall away. Sorry, that's a very long answer to a very short question. No, not at all, but very, very important. Our podcast is all around business. So how can business take action? How can business fight poverty? Hence the, the name on the tin. Um, in this, with this framing, what does positive masculinity, what does father a nation mean for business or within businesses? Well, again, you know, we, we've kind of moved, we tend very much as a society and as a world to play the zero sum, sum game and have an either or mentality. So uh, it's, it's either men or it's women, you know, it's either black or it's white or, you know, it's black lives. Or it's the, There's so many of these different pendulum swings. And I think there is absolutely no doubt that women haven't been given a fair deal in, in organizations historically. And, and yet we've moved in a huge, we've come a very far way, a long way in terms of creating gender equality in the workplace. And I think what we all need to do in business is embrace who we are. I, I always talk about this concept of human first. 
you know, we're very um, consumed at the moment with identity politics. You know, what particular identity are you and intersectionality and that. And of course, there's, there's a reason for that and a need for that to redress past imbalances. But I think what happens is we begin to lose the fundamental premise that we are all human first. Before I'm a man, I'm a human being. Before you're a woman, you're a human being. Before I'm straight, gay, Christian, Muslim, whatever, whatever identifying factor, black, white, South African, British, before any of those things, I, I'm a human being. And I think what we need to do in business is promote this concept of we're human first. And once we get that right and we, we um, validate ourselves, respect ourselves and validate others and respect others equally as, as valuable human beings, we're then able to celebrate differences and celebrate whatever those differences are without them becoming the primary identity. So I think business is all about saying, well, whatever historical, whatever artificial barriers there have been to the advancement of any human being, whether and any category of human being, whether it's woman or people of color, we need to say, well, let's, let's really become very adept at identifying what those are. The glass ceiling. You know, is it, does it exist? And how does it exist? And how can we dismantle that? And I think men and women both need to do that. The mistake I think we've made is we've tried to create this sort of amorphous mass where everyone is the same. And, and that's not the case. And, and in fact, that makes for a very boring world. The differences are absolutely beautiful and gorgeous and we embrace them. But what we need to do is make sure that we create an environment in business where there's absolutely equal opportunity for all based on merit. If you, if you have the skill, you should be allowed the opportunity to do whatever you can. And I think this is where gender roles quite rightly so, have become very almost outdated. You know, you, you can't say because you're a man, you are the breadwinner. Because you're a woman, you have to do change the nappies for your child. You know, those kind of roles are outdated and no longer relevant. You know, if a man stays at home and looks after the child uh, and, and, and his partner goes out and, and makes the money, there's absolutely no, nothing wrong with that. You know, those, if those parties involved are happy with that. So it's this kind of creating a mentality where we don't eliminate masculinity or femininity, but we create an environment where we can really fully be alive and fully create equal opportunity for everybody based on, on merit. I know through the work that you've been doing, you think quite a lot about what positive actions people can take. So it's, it's not just about sort of looking at the problem. It's very much about sort of tackling and doing things. How can men, from the work that you've do, done, the research that you've done, what can men do to take action? Well, I think the starting point of any transformation is, is looking in the mirror. You know, it's, it's self-awareness. And one of, the, one of the big challenges that men have, or, you know, and I've worked a lot with men over years, it's very difficult to get men to look in the mirror and to be vulnerable and to take action. And I think that's the starting point. You know, you think about before we leave home every morning, we look in the mirror and whether we shave or apply makeup, whatever it is that we do, we have to get a good picture of ourselves by looking in the mirror. And I think the starting point is to look in the mirror and, and look at ourselves as men and start with us. Most men carry a wound. And, and I, I think this applies to, to women as well, but we're talking about men. Very few human beings are perfectly fathered and perfectly mothered and grow up into adulthood as whole human beings. We all have our triggers and our sensitivities and our, our struggles and our vulnerabilities. The difference with men generally, and of course I'm generalizing because it's not always true, is that we are less willing to talk about these things and we're less willing to, to embrace them because of the lie that vulnerability is the weakness, that, that, uh, that big boys don't cry. So the starting point for men is to, is to say, you know, what wounds am I carrying? What, what, what oversensitivities do I have? Am I pitching up 
to the workplace uh, as a partner, as a father, as a citizen, as, as a good man that is making the world a better place. It's using my strength well. It's loving, serving, honoring, protecting, providing. Uh, and ask those questions. And I think I often encourage men in the work we do with corporations to send out an email to, to five people and say, you know, I'm, I'm going through a process of growth. And uh, please tell me the things that you like, admire, respect, whatever about me. It's a positive affirmation. But also tell me the things that I could do better to grow as, as a man, as a, a colleague, as a leader, as a subordinate, whatever, whatever roles I play. And just begin to really get that kind of feedback. So that's the first thing. Look in the mirror, get the feedback. The second thing would be examine your beliefs about what it means to be a man. Do you believe, and we all have these, Katie. I mean, I I remember not long ago, five years ago, I was was jogging in Cape Town when I used to live in Cape Town, jogging along the promenade, along the seafront. And uh, I I developed a um, pain in my knee and it was really sore and I had to start limping. So I'm limping along in my jogging gear and I saw these two, these two young female joggers jogging towards me and immediately, without even breaking a sweat, I, I, I launched back into a jog. And uh, it was, I'm, I'm posing. I had to be the man running. I can't be seen to be limping in my jogging gear. It's this, it's this pose. And so by becoming aware of that, of saying, well, as a man, do I have to always be running or can I limp? Is it okay to limp? You know, if we, if we start to examine our understanding of what it means to be a man and become more honest about that, you know, that masculinity, Am I choosing love over power? Am I choosing service over domination? You know, all these kind of things. And the third thing for men to do is to, is to examine their beliefs about women. You know, do we have a, a sense that women have a particular role and men have a particular role and that, that it's not good for me to, to report to a woman uh, or if my wife earns more money than me, is that a problem for me? You know, we need to examine this, these beliefs about, you know, do I truly and honestly believe that women are, equal value and have equal contribution to make to this world. You know, these are the kind of things that we need to do. And, and as men too, be a good mentor, be a good father. If you are a father, be present, be engaged, be actively involved emotionally in every other way to, to your families. And the final thing, and I'll stop there, is um, to be dangerous. I think the world needs dangerous men, but not men who are dangerous to women or dangerous to each other or dangerous to children or but men who are dangerous to whatever threatens society. You know, you think about the Allied forces in the Second World War. They were dangerous. They had to be dangerous. There was this massive evil sweeping across the world, Nazism. And unless the men were dangerous, or the Allied forces were dangerous, Nazism and evil would have prevailed in the world. And I think the world needs strong men who are dangerous to, to whatever's wrong, whatever threatens the world. So fascinating, though. And as a woman, I wonder. Is there a sort of, I don't know, ways that I can positively help or should be thinking or doing, acting differently too? Yes. I mean, not always, but yes, in some cases. So, so I think number one is to not accept false masculinity. I think it's very important. You know, we, we deal a lot with gender-based violence in this country. And a lot of women stay in relationships way longer than they should, even though they've been treated poorly. And I think it's very important as a woman to to know your worth and to know what you're worthy of and what is acceptable and non-acceptable behavior for you and not accept false behavior. You know, I think often, you know, one of the beautiful things about womanhood is that you are often the, the glue that holds society together. You know, you're very relational. I'm generalizing again, but generally it's, it's, it's spot on. You're the glue that holds things together. You're, you're relational. You, you value relation. 
friendship and you value peace as over over war so much. But often what that can do is is mean a woman stays in a in a even if it's mildly abusive, but an abusive scenario longer than what she should. So I think it's a matter of deeply valuing your own womanhood, your own personhood, your own value to the world, the beauty that you bring, and and not accepting anything that demeans that in any way. And then I think the corollary to that is is for women to, you know, the thing that men want most from women is is not what you think it is. <laughs> it's not what most women think it is. It's respect. And I think it's very crucial for women, on the one hand, not to accept false masculinity, but on the other hand, to truly validate and respect and honor authentic and good and true masculinity, just as men need to do the same to women, respect and honor and validate and, and um, cherish authentic womanhood and the value that women bring. So if we, if we both do that, fantastic. And then again, be, be the woman who models powerful womanhood. You know, the primary role model of any child is their, their same gender parent. So a, a young girl will look to her mother to model what it means to be a, a strong, gracious, powerful woman, everything that embodies womanhood, just as a young boy is going to look to a man to, to model to him what it means to be a man. So, so that issue of being a powerful, strong, gracious, good role model is, is probably the, the third bit of advice I'd give to women. And just to round off our conversation today, I mean, your work is kind of a movement in some respects. What is next for you and for Father a Nation? Well, I'm very excited. You know, we I started off writing about fatherhood because that's an absolute passion. As a single dad, I just just the father heart and and the man who's a father. And uh, is it time for me to tell a quick story about that? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when when my daughter Blythe, she's now 24 years old, when she was uh, two and a half. Doctors came to us and said that she would need an operation on her heart, that there was a small hole in one of the walls of her heart. And I, um, luckily, the, with technology the way it is today, it's not, a, it's not an open heart surgery situation. It's where they put a, put a catheter into a vein in the groin, and this, this catheter comes up and it pops a device into the heart and seals the hole. But when she went into surgery, I looked into the theater, and I, it was a scary place, you know, for this vulnerable little girl to be wheeled in. So I asked the surgeon if I, if I could uh, take her in if I could carry her into surgery and, and, and we could put her to sleep while I was still there. And he kindly agreed. So I had to scrub up and put the mask and everything. And they actually allowed me to hold her in my arms as, as we put the gas mask over her face, which put her to sleep. Handed her over. Operation was a great success. Out the next day. But a, a month later, we were at uh, my house and we, we had a gathering with a couple of friends. We were doing a, a barbecue outside. And, and, and my daughter was standing next to me. And one of my friends looked down at her and said, Blythe. I believe you were in hospital recently. And, and she looked up at him and she said, she said, yes, my heart was broken. She said, but my daddy fixed it. And I tell you, Katie, it was one of those just revelatory moments where I thought, wow, I had to excuse myself. I was tearing up and uh, it, uh, she gave me such a gift. You know, she made me realize, look at myself because I was her hero. I was the man who fixed her heart. And I realized that I did hold her heart in my hands in many ways and, and the heart of her brother. And that how I pitched up as a man and how I raised her would have a huge impact on her life. So, so fatherhood became a massive, massive drive in my life and writing about that. But then what happened in South Africa is we, we have a massive issue with gender-based violence, with men abusing women. And I began to look at that and say, well, no man is born an abuser. Well, something goes wrong on the journey from boy to man. And we began to look at what are the reasons why men abuse? Not excuses, because there's never an excuse, but reasons. And that led to the writing of a book called No Excuse for Abuse. And then after that, I began to realize that the solution to abuse of masculinity is healthy masculinity. 
And then what does that mean? So I wrote a little book called The Six-Pack of Masculine Virtues. And, and so you asked me the question, what's next? We, we, we've just launched an online course for, for high school boys and young men called The Six-Pack of Masculine Virtues, where we talk about the six virtues of authentic masculinity. And I think for me, the passion really is to start a movement where, where men begin to really embrace and say, you know what? Being a man is a great thing. How do I do it? This is how I do it. These are the virtues I need to bring to the party to be the gift to the world that, uh, that I was destined to be. So that's something we're very excited about. Oh, I should think so. Well, on that very positive note, Craig, but also with those very important stories and actions to take, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and your story. I will put the links to uh, some of the work that you're doing into the words that sit along the podcast so everybody can follow and um, catch up with you too directly. So Craig Wiggleton, thank you very much for your time, sir. Great pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.